Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Welcome back everyone to East Meets West here on the Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet podcast and feed. And I need to burp literally the second I press record, but we're going to be powered through as we're powered through a mammoth month of New Japan Pro Wrestling content to cover. I am Scott McLeod, one of your hosts here on East Meets West. And joining me to talk about Destruction, Wrestle Dream, Royal Quest, and all the other stuff we've got coming up in November, because November won't slow down despite what we thought it might do. He's a Nigel McGuinness to my Kevin Kelly, for I go by Collision. Uh, he is Grant McRobbie. Hello, Grant. It is a brilliant thing to be back. Destruction sums up some of the things. We've had some destruction emotionally. We've had some dreams and dream matches. Brian Danielson, stop dodging Nigel. (laughs) I know. Just give the man his his match already because Jesus, he's like a scorned ex-lover the way he talks about Daniel Bryan some weeks on collision. That's it. And if your answer is no, in the words of Christian Cage, go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I get what you mean in terms of structure in some aspects I mean there's been some emotional damage this past month and we'll get into all the, the details as we go through and first off but first off I want to remind you all that Eat Sleep Super Retreat you can find us on all good Android podcast sites Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts Podbean, technically you can't find us on Anchor because Spotify or podcast now but I've got the habit of saying Anchor Anyway, however you get a podcast, get it's the late reaching order view on your chosen platform. Three are back, hello, past episodes of East Meets with Central, the returning feature shows, and episodes of Saturday Night Live every Saturday. Obviously, it's closed in the name. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, even TikTok, I think, if we've still got one. Uh, uh, say Twitter, not X. All at Suplex Retweet. But now, we got a lot, I got a lot written down here for what happened, so let's just dive straight into it, shall we? Destruction Tour took up all of September and the beginning part of October. Uh, Jesus, the first few bits I'm going to mention feel like they happened six months ago. So much has happened, not just in Japan, but everywhere else in the world of wrestling. But they had some steady Road 2 shows. They didn't, ever, they didn't air all of the Road to Destruction shows that they did. It's been a bit confusing given they had a bloody best of seven in them. Some of the shows that they did the best seven on weren't even bloody aired. But 
on the ones that they did have. We kicked off very clearly with Zack Sabre Jr. as it'll be a common theme here throughout this episode. But uh, carrying the Techers for the tour with two back-to-back TV title defensive two, I think it's fair to say, Grant, very varying opponents. Yep, Zach Zach has been the mega workhorse of this tour. The the man is just an absolute unit. And yeah, as you say, two back-to-back nights, two completely different competitors, two completely different matches. And the man of Techers is always our favourite. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, we had his theme song in the intro, as you've probably heard there, for, it's for a good reason because his name's got to come up a few times. But yeah, it was meant to be him versus Bolton Oleg, but then he got disqualified for illness. Like, I think he had an infection in his elbow. And to hear Chris Charlton describe it is apparently he showed the judge, and I think I've got a bit of swelling here, and apparently it was like blown up to like double the size. And like, yeah, you're not wrestling tonight. And so. You know, after being apparently put on loan, what they call it excursion, but it's very much he's on loan. Oyua uh, came back from from Noah alongside Kaito Kimiya, who's in his corner to take his place. Had to be hand selected to be in uh, this spot. Clearly, already shown some development from his brief time in Noah because he did put in a decent effort against Zach, but there was also never any doubt given he even wasn't given he wasn't even the planned opponent. And then while he's doing his back to comments, he spots. Satoshi Kojima trying to go for the shit and obviously challenges him then and there. Like, hey, do I fight me tomorrow? Yeah, just hey, Kojima, Kojima, it's like I need to go to the bathroom. No, no, do you want a match? No, no, I really want to go for a shit. No, but do you want a match? No, I want to go for a shit. Match tomorrow, magic, banging. I know. If you can tell me the best way to challenge them, a better way to challenge someone, then I'd see your line. I'm always happy to see him pop up. He's, you know, as a legend, he's just pop, he only pops up here and there. He pops up at Wrestle Dream in a random multi-person tag with some people I also forgot were employed. But, you know, always happy to see him again. The result was never in doubt, but I just wanted to see him keep it going. I thought, like, I want every time he finishes one match, he challenges someone else to win and to see how many wins he can fix throughout the tour. I, just, I love that idea. I just love the fact of him just, like, the, the promos they could do of just random places that he encounters people, like, in the pub. Mm-hmm. Like, Oi, mm-hmm. Daichi, Daichi, <laughs> old friend, match, magic, <laughs> see you tomorrow. <laughs> it's it's proper right. Alan Partridge vibes. Alan, mm-hmm. Alan, Alan. When <laughs> <laughs> he finds the toilet, he's standing at the urinal, he just challenges whoever's standing next to him. Like, oh, all right, I fancy a match. Dickhead. <laughs> so it was nice to see him versus uh, Kojima. Two, like I said, very different matches. Then we also had a randomly put together six-man tag uh, title defense with I put I keep putting it in chaos because even though Tanashi is in chaos, it's pretty it's pretty much by association. So it's easier just to write that down rather than writing all three names. But yeah, Okada, Ishii, and Tanahashi defended their title successfully against Tiger Mask, uh, Tenzan, and Makabe. And it was a weird, weird choice to that, and they kept emphasizing. All three men's accomplishments, the combined years of experience, the combined tournaments and championships have all won. So I feel like just a case of like, ah, uh, one of the ones like, ah, uh, they might not be around for much longer. Give them a, give them one last little bit to, you know, give them their dues. That's it. Just, you know, let's, let's remind people that these tag belts exist because, you know, we have so many belts. It's not like we have any time to show them all. Not like we do like 300 shows in the tour, which half don't get televised. No, yeah. not at all. 
I, mean, I, I probably have to watch some of the shows that they do televise, so I'm glad that they don't televise all of them. There was a match that may have ended the third. They did three in a row to start off the tour. Uh, I think it was on the right beginning of September, and then they didn't televise any more until the 17th. So there was a match that started a running thing throughout the tour on the, the last show. I'm going to come back to it because it culminates at Rigo because I'm going to talk about it as a whole thing. And I'm talking about the best of seven series. We'll come back to that later. But yeah, the main thing was just previewing matches that we're going to get either at Destruction in Kobe, which is in the middle of September on the 24th, or at Rigo on the 9th of October. big theme of it was basically highlighting the different factions that were going at it, including House of Torture versus just five guys at ongoing war. And we may as well get right into it here at Kobe. So the first of the special matches that came up was the KOPW Division of Championship defense. And I just put in my notes here, Kanemaru is a bastard. I'm still fucking raging about that. I was so happy the way Just Five Guys was set up. Kanemaru was a great little foil in there. And then he betrays them. For what? The fucking House of Torture. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And again, it's kind of like when Evil initially turned and joined Bullet Club. Like, he's called Evil. We shouldn't be surprised when he goes bad properly. And like, Kanemaru's nickname is the Heel Master. So we can't really surprise when the Heel Master turns heel. But I agree with you. You know, we had a good setup. Him and Toki were seemingly turning into a really solid junior tag team. And, you know, you had Taiji and, uh, and Sanada holding Belgian attack as the mouthpiece. It was really a solid setup. And, People talk about show throwing things away. I feel like this is more of a waste than when show joined. Like, Kanemaru, like, what are you joining for? As you said, like, you're throwing all this potential away. Yeah, because let me look at my notes. Uh, we have the stellar careers within there of show and Yujiro Takahashi. Yeah, he's <laughs> doing really well for himself. I know. He's, he's probably at least a good 10, 15 years younger than Dick Togo, yet somehow Dick Togo moves quicker than Yujiro does. I don't know how that's possible. Maybe he's a pin, maybe he gets maybe he's shagged out, who knows? But honestly, <laughs> every time I look at you now, I think you're more and more of a waste of space. That's it. It's not even like, like he's a good shagger. It's not like it's house of shaggers, it's house of torture. Pish. Absolute <laughs> pish. <laughs> I know. And you know, the match itself was of all the all the title matches on this tour, this was certainly one of them. Because there was the two stipulations as usual in a KOPW match, and you had Show trying to give his stipulation. As soon as you read his, stip- his stipulations, out, you're like, "Yeah, that's never going to get picked. You're just trying to troll us, aren't you?" Whereas, like, ten minute time limit, Show can make more rules up as he goes along. If it goes to the time limit, Show wins the title. <laughs> and his one was basically everyone gets handcuffed to a member of the opposing faction, so he had Sanada handcuffed to Evil, and other members of Just Vagas handcuffed to the other members of. Uh, and give members a head of torture again. How do they think this was going to work? I mean, they say it again when they when they do the lumberjack match later in the month. Like having the house of torture there is not going to nullify them just because you also have the face faction. You're still going to do things. We might really thought of ban them from the fucking building. That's it. And you have to properly ban them from the building because otherwise, Dick Togo plays with the light switches. Mm-hmm. I know. I do love like the running narratives about the shit that Dick Togo's up to that Kevin Kelly keeps making out, like claiming that he's been selling fake tickets to the Tokyo Dome or he's trying to start his false his own false travel agency which rips people off called Dick to go. 
point I came actually watching Dick Togo wrestle. So yeah, it was a weird convoluted mess. And it finally looked like Kanemaru was going to come back because that's something we should mention on one of the multi-man tag matches during the road to these like just five guys are going to run in and get back at Evil and yeah, show for stealing the, the two KOPW belt for stealing like their belts and everything. Because, you know, that's the classic thing. All the heels still in the belt to challenge the face. And usually the fate the heel loses, but weirdly show has bucked that trend. But okay, we're gonna go, we're gonna get them. And immediately Buddy Kanamara collapses, and that really was off putting. Like, is, is this real? Did he actually get fucked up there? And then as soon as Doki came out and the Hussey Torture tried to jump them, like, ah, well, this is clearly some sort of angle. And then when, I, when he took that all out in consideration, when he came back miraculously and then turned on them immediately, like, ah, I guess we kind of should have seen this coming. That's it. We should have seen that absolute, absolute bastard. You're a bastard, yeah. Kanemaru. A bastard-coated bastard with a bastard filling. Yes. He, he spit the, the, the whiskey in Tai Chi's face. How's the torture? You know, got the number of his age now because they had now five and just five guys. Remember, just four guys again temporarily. And they're wondering, Kevin went, well, those collector's items, just four guys shirts may not be collector's items anymore because we're going to need some more just four guys shirts. <laughs> and then Nada had been trying to get Evil to accept the challenge for the 9th of October and a lumberjack match for the day because he thought, well, we've, we've kind of got the numbers advantage. Actually, we're five, you're four. We sh- should actually nullify the House of Torture for good. And Evil had been like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. And as soon as Show won and the rest of the Just Five guys got beat down, Evil was in like, you know what? All of a sudden, that, that lumberjack match doesn't seem like a bad idea anymore. I mean, it's it's like, People have had worse ideas, like, Mr. Should we give Enzo a belt for a year or give the House of Torture every belt for a short period of time? Hey, I was a hypothetical. <laughs> I said, what would you rather? But I they must have fucking it. listened. They might speak into existence. Thankfully for now, only one of them has got a belt. Evil was only pretending to carry around that belt, and thankfully Sonata got it back, which I hope they would. So, for now, as long as you keep it issue, and honestly, it's a shame to see the KOPW go down the dream or whatever then Tai Chi and Shingo try to do for it but if there's any bell that had to go back to being a joke or forgotten about the KOPW isn't as bad as things go it is slowly but surely becoming New Japan's answer to the 24-7 title pretty much I mean my own hope for Kanemaru here is that you know he was already kind of he used shenanigans every so often you know using the whiskey bottle and everything so it does feel like a heel weapon I just hope his ring sale doesn't fall down a cliff the way shows does because show completely changed everything about himself in terms of the way he wrestles and it's that's what one of the things that made his matches less enjoyable you know oh kind of at least tries every so often which can be which is more than can be said for the rest of the group that's it there's definitely i still think there's a chance for show just see the light come back please. <laughs> come on son we still love you. Come back. I, I think I look at the show and Karamaru like a disappointed parent. Like, uh, I wanted more from you boys, but you had to hang around with those wrongings. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Bitterly, bitterly disappointed. And this was like the halfway point of the show. It put me in a bad mood for the next couple of matches when I was watching it, if I'm completely honest. And then bloody for the third time, in the space of a year, even if even that, like probably like eight or so months, 
DMDK, Mikey Nichols and Shane Hayes lost in an attempt to get the bloody IWGP heavyweight tag titles. And that kind of made me feel even worse. And then Shingo Takagi was going to fight Buddy Great Okan, which made me think, who do I side for here? Either way, I'm going to be sad. So why is this show attempted to make me so sad? Why, why must we endure this heartache and pain? When we show nothing but love, why must they do this? Yeah, I think this, we can only hope for the uh, for TMDK to get the strong belts at this point because I think Gary was made it cl- very clear, oh, you can challenge for him, but am I giving you, Aussie boys, the IWGP heavyweight tag belts? I gave it to a couple of Aussies before and then they buggered off to Tony Khan's company. So clearly <laughs> Gado has, has been hurt by this and I think with Tag League coming up and everything, I know seemingly planned title defences in the future. I think Bishamon have pretty much a lock in it, hold it the Wrestle Kingdom or possibly beyond. Yeah, I I honestly, I'm, I'm trying to think really with New Japan, what tag teams are viable to go over Bishamon at the moment. And really, no team feels built up enough to take the big belts. Plenty of people in the in the running for going for the strong ones because they just seem to get passed around like a like a hot potato. But the big ones, maybe maybe like Lig or something like that in the future, or maybe a different United Empire group. But right now, Bishamon's got them in a, in a death grip. Yeah, there's different combinations you can do. Like I think that I still maintain the possibility of a shingle, a Suji tag team going through World Tag League is very interesting. Given any combination of the United Empire, the actual run in the World Tag League, and we're running with the, the tag team titles, would be better than what they got last time they got to hold the belts. It's like, you've seen that clip, you've seen that clip of Shingo and uh, Suji when they did that tag finish with the spear combined with the pumping bomb. I mean, that's a proper tag finish of that one. Oh, it's absolutely stunning. It actually looks like it's killing someone. Mm hmm. I even I, mean, I would even have the war dogs down for a potential dark horse pick for winning the World Tag League had they not just lost the strong belts. So, or maybe that was the case that they were setting them up to get another shot at Bishamon. They lost to them before, but honestly, I don't know. We're gonna have to wait a month to see who they actually get together for this this World Tag League tournament. But as I said, Bishamon retained. We then had a couple of the last three matches. The theme here was Lig versus United Empire. We had Shingo versus Great Okan. For reasons, I think uh, it was okay. Uh, like I've seen better matches between these two, but it just made me think: when are they going to, you know, give Guido Can the rub? When are they going to give him the proper run here as a singles guy? Because they seem to be going off this thing like, oh yeah, that loss and you keep and Michael Goku, it's it's shattered the Guido Can's confidence, and now he keeps losing all the time. That's it. The just we need. The great Okan to be back in his winning ways, all hail. Because it's just it's just terrible what is going on there right now. It's like, what does Gedo have against the great Okan? The man goes for testicle massages after all. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think the beard makes him look a bit older, but I think he's still fairly young. Uh, so it's also still time. It just feels like he's been around because he's been such a big part of the the program and ever since he came back from his excursion when he joined the United Empire and its founded moments. It feels like he's been around for ages by this point and feels like he's had so many opportunities but never quite been able to, to get that one moment to become a single proper like sting that proper single standout moment, you know. But we we can only hope. Yeah, a match that I think was not meant to be for the title shot, but then I think kinda of was made for the title shot, where we had Naito with his makeshift burlap bag 
which has the writing on it that says, I do a GP title shot at the Tokyo Dome, uh, successfully retaining it over Jeff Cobb. And you knew the result was never in doubt, but it was fun to watch Jeff Cobb and Nigel go at it again. Yeah, the two of them, the chemistry from them is undeniable. Cobb is an absolute beast. It really is. And Naito just works so well against him and all his kind of mannerisms, his chemistry, it's just a brilliant match every time the two of them go at it. Mm-hmm. If I'm talking about chemistry, I mean, it was a great match, but I think this is a match that got lost in a month, yeah, another month of Osprey bangers because, you know, he was cut off the stuff at Wembley and then he would go on to do stuff at Royal Quest and appearing at Wrestle Dream. And amongst all that was Suji getting a proper showcase again. You know, our first proper showcase in a main event since his match with Sanada in the main event of uh, Dominion for Suji. He did lose his title shot to Will Osprey for the UK title, but what a match. And I think, weirdly, I don't know what it is they're doing with Narita and Shota. We'll get back to them in a minute, but Suji seems, and in such a short amount of time, he seems a lot more primed for breakout success than the other two musketeers. Yeah, Suji is on a tear at the moment and to be honest when you're putting someone up against Osprey has Osprey even had a bad match in the last three months? I think not um, but yeah Suji is looking the star of the three musketeers um, and has that very convincing body double in his twin brother when he wants to pull off shenanigans like the Bellas <laughs> Yeah I agree with your point about Osprey and everything like I say spoiler wasn't a fan of his match at Wrestle Dream, but I don't blame him for that I blame other people in that match. But, yeah, Suji like, has hit the ground running as part of LIJ, or went into a world title match. Maybe he's not interacting with the other Musketeers. He's kind of doing his own thing within the faction. But I definitely think within a year, he'll be he'll have some sort of championship gold within the year, or even less than that. Whereas I think they're trying to do a thing with Narita and show where they're like, oh, we're sometimes typers, but also sometimes rivals. So... Maybe they're trying to like those two together a little bit more. So maybe a potential rivalry that goes on for the years, like an Okada Tanahashi style thing. Whereas I think like no, Suji's better off doing his own thing. Yeah, that's uh, I, I think Suji suits the Lij style. He works well with that kind of unique charisma that comes from Lij members. Well, maybe not Bushi. He's not really got much charisma these days. Just really cool masks. Um, yeah. But there is that kind of Shota. I think was had they had high hopes for because of the whole Moxley connection. But I don't feel they've capitalised on him right. And Narita will molested the bear. <laughs> I know, Jesus. What happened to you, boy? Like you had everything when you first came, and you were in that match is actually with Junior at the Tokyo Dome. And now the other two, they're fucking laughing you, son. That's it. Getting scalped, sent to bed without supper. <laughs> oh. But talking about you know young guys coming back from excursion, uh, let's talk about uh, the October 9th show and Rio Goku. It was a pre-show match. I had some guys from outside of outside of Japan coming in to fight a, a new Japan. Uh, it was a pre-show match which had some guys from outside of Japan and other promotions coming in to fight a team of like new Japan stars. But I turned that match off halfway through it because the fucking audio went off and I made Kevin Kelly sound like a robot. That they skipped to the main show. And so they were going to right off the bat show you that by the way, we're not going to be called just four guys. We're going to keep the just five guys' name because we have a fifth member. 
and we're going to keep it a lumberjack match. We're going to finally counteract the numbers of the House of Torture. Oh, who's this new member of just five guys going to be? Ladies and gentlemen, can I get a Joe? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm still upset that Joya is over, but Yuya Yamura coming in to join Just Five Guys. A handsome replacement. Mm. A very fitting replacement. Heat Storm. Yuya Yamura, we should have mentioned, because it came up Heat Storm for what felt like a far longer than it needed to. It's allowed Kevin Kelly to take the piss out of NXT, saying it sounded like an NXT-generated name, which is not too far off, actually. It sounds like the kind of film... Seems like the name of a kind of parody film they'd mentioned in Bloody Tropic Thunder. But yeah, you you would after being fired from Impact in KV because he got the fired briefcase and the feasts are fired. Uh, it was seemingly, we could tell he was setting up his return to Japan because I couldn't think of anyone else it would be. And, you know, it kind of felt like I'd been saying multiple times on this show, you has been on schedule for ages. When is Yuya going to come back to Japan and, you know, get his push alongside the Musketeers and, you know, say his name enough times and he'll appear as he helped get, helped get the win for his team against the House of Torture and you know, used a, what's been called the Deadbolt Suplex, which looks very similar to the suplex that Narita was using when he came back. But with a different name and slightly better. Mm. Oh yeah, it's definitely better. Uh, for some reason after that, they had they decided to give us a bloody singles match between Chase Owens and Tangaloa, but thankfully in around eight minutes, Tangaloa quickly dealt with him. I didn't even watch the fact how they did a arm wrestling contest between the two on a Row two show. I made sure to stay well clear of that. I that was just uh, I was like, nope, not wasting my time with that. Uh, first of, like they they had on on this card there were nine no no nine ten matches on this main card, and from the fourth match onwards it was match that had stakes and they built and built and built and the fourth match was the second defense of the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles for uh, the War Dog representing team of Driller Mullen and Clark Connors against Kevin Knight and Kushida. And it's been that long, and the titles got that at that moment where they're being briefly swapped back and forth. I forgot that Jet Setters lost them back to Catch 2-2 before Catch 2-2 lost them to Bullet Club. So for some reason I thought, Catch I thought this was, oh, we're doing this rematch of these two teams. There was, no, they didn't actually do this match before. It was Catch 2-2 who lost to Bullet Club. They've never done this match before. Yep. Showing just how well they have built the IWGP Junior Tag Belts in the last year. We completely forgot who had them. Yeah, I mean, it didn't help that during their time as Tag Team Champions, they only had one defence, they lost it. And then, and between that, Kushida got absolutely fucking made a fool of during the Super Junior Tournament. So, they didn't exactly build them up as Tag Team Champions, but... It was a much better match. I mean, I knew about this match before I'd even seen it because I waited for the live version then before I watched it. And I'd already somehow seen that gif of Kushida soul leaving his body when he got caught in that pile driver by Bloody Maloney. Oh, yeah, that was horrible. That was like, I was like, I do believe someone has just been murdered before my eyes. I do declare. <laughs> I do declare, indeed. I mean, there's a hell of an effort between the two. I, I, I don't think anybody thought that, uh, that the War Dogs were going to lose. I do think they had into Super Junior Tag League. They've done a good job of presenting these two as a great, like, like it's a lot more bruiser-style juniors than the typical flippy or technical juniors. They're just hard-hitting and basically like, all these daddies must step up to them and most of them are probably going to get battered by the champions. 
Yeah, it's been different that way because, like, for years, New Japan's junior division was defined by the likes of your Ospreys and your Ricochets and Kenny Omegas, Fergal Devitts bouncing about the place like madmen. But there is a definite change in the style coming on. Yeah. And you talk about Fergal Devitt, he was one of the few IWGP junior heavyweight champions to go through undefeated and win the Super Junior tournament. And on this show and at Royal Quest, Chris Challen was really making a heavy argument. For these guys running through World Tag League, uh, Super Junior Tag League, sorry, and choosing their opponents, which I think would be the, the first time that the champions had won Super Junior Tag League since Rapongi 3K did it in their first try. So it would be an interesting option to see them then just run through the tournament. And I really like the offense that they've got. It's quite unique. Like, there were middle launches, the guy in the air, so that Clark Connors can hit him with the, the Jeep flip or their very unique spear or suplex combo that they do. Yeah, there is something, it's quite special and I'll be honest, I mean, I've seen Dan Maloney a lot when he was in the UK and it wasn't wasn't bad, but there was just always something missing that was stopping him from being Mm -hmm. that next level and I think he's found it in New Japan in Bullet Club and the special with teaming with Connors, he's got that the last bit of the puzzle has clicked and I think in the long run for him it could lead to an eventual singles run as well Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think so as well. So this this next match, the best of seven series, the finale of the best seven, which was the team of Yuji Nagata, Shoto Umino, and Master Wato against Manoa Suzuki, Ren Naria, and El Desperado. Now going into this, the first match they did was, I believe, the tenth of September, ending the one their Blue Justice events. They went to a thirty-minute time limit draw, which I don't think they needed to. It was a good 15 or so minute match. It got stretched over 30. Then they, uh, the strong style team started dominating before the other team pulled it back. But then they said coming in, it was because of the draw, uh, strong style was already one up. So there was no way that the Nagata team could win. They could only hope to draw, which they did because Shota Umino got a win with the Death Rider in this match. Because I think it was a case that during the tournament they said that. I think they said that during the series, Renner had gotten the win for his team at one point by pinning Shota Umino, which he'd never done up until that point. And then in the first two matches, they've been like, oh, these two didn't factor in the first couple of matches because they're just so concerned of tearing each other apart. But in this match, Shota pins Narita again with the Death Rider. So we had a best of seven series that leads to a draw and then teases the possibility that at some point, uh, Shota and Renner are going to be a tag team at some point because the team's at Royal Quest. So I put my notes and I asked you, Grant, what the fuck was the point of this? <laughs> you know what? The point was, it's not about the journey. It's not about how it ends, oh. but it's all about the friends that we make along the way. <laughs> how all of a sudden, Otto and Desperado have somewhat become friends, whereas, you know, some actual consistency was kept with Nagata and, <laughs> and Suzuki were like, I'm not shaking your fucking hand, I still hate you. Yeah, it's just, I'll be honest, it is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Like, what, what, what was the last time we had, like, a seat best of seven series? Was that what we ended up getting Buddy Sheamus and Cesaro together? The last time I can think of, what, I all, no, I think the only other one other than that I can think of recently was the uh, Death Triangle, the Elite, the Trios title one, AEW. Which, they, 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 <laughs> they didn't even tell us that was the best series until after the first match. 
Yeah, and by the end of it, it's like best of sevens are so hard to pull off because at some point it's just too much too soon. Mm-hmm. I know it, it depends on the story you tell and the and the series because, like for example, that elite one, the story of that was oh, uh, Death Triangle won three matches in a row, but they kept cheating, so we kept having stipulations where they couldn't cheat because weapons were legal, and the elite won all four of those. So it basically proves that Death Triangle can't be the elite without cheating because the elite are just that class. Uh, it's almost like their name is in the fucking company. Uh, so you know, it's 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 like they almost maybe had something to do with starting the company, maybe to do with booking the company, hmm? maybe to mm. do with a little bit of bumping with Con- Tony Khan in the lines. Hmm. Something along those lines, maybe. <laughs> but from the match that I really again couldn't give a shit about and wondered why I wasted my time with it. So yeah, pleasant surprise. But while only in their for- first defence, uh, War Dogs, Alex Cogley, Gabe Kidd lost their strong openweight tag team titles to the team of El Fantasma and Hikaleo. And I moved, and I went so monumental that Kevin Kelly forgot that, that El Fantasma had been junior heavyweight tag team champion because he asked Chris Shelton, is this ALP's first bit of gold in New Japan? Which technically it is as a heavyweight, but not his first bit of gold overall. And I thought this was a lot of fun. I love that moment of Alex Coughlin realising he was fucked before they got the sudden death and then the choke slam. And then what they call the Super Thunder Kiss 86 with the assisted frog splash. Because you, know, you have to have that when you've got a, a high flyer and a big guy. And you know what? Good for ELP and Hickley. They deserve it. That's it. The two of them have been doing like ELP has been producing match after match for a long time in New Japan. He never quite got a run on the, as a singles junior guy, so he's moved up to the heavyweights. Hikuleo's starting to really find his stride as a big guy. Two of them deserve this. I could not be happier with that. Yeah, maybe a bit of a shame for the War Dogs, because, you know, Gabe Kidd and that have, have only just got the belts, but the fans are behind ELP and Hikuleo. Everyone's so behind them. Good choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they had a little remix of uh, the themes on, like, where he did these like thumb and said that E L P it was G O D which is good. But by the time they get to the ring, you realise that's the only thing the song does and it's the same chord you realize like you could be a little less repetitive, ELP, like get put some fucking effort into your music, pal. <laughs> it's like I give us a little bit of something new. I see as a guy who knows nothing about producing music. So I'll sit here and from my from my comfortable armchair and just tell you how I think you should do things. Oh, definitely. But, oh, what a team. What a team. Just give them better music. What a team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a team, ladies and gentlemen. But it was a good night for GOD, as we'll, uh, we'll talk about in a little bit. But we had to talk about the another bit of open weight belts, but it's the six-man belts, where it was a very unique matchup. And I remember getting very excited when I saw it. And apparently the, it was at the request of Tanahashi, where he, Okada, and Ishii defend the belts against the Impact representing team of Alex Shelley, Chris Saban, and Josh Alexander, you had the two top, two of the top singles champions in Impact Wrestling with the X Division and World Heavyweight Champion, and you got Buddy Alexander, who's the number one contender for Shelley's uh, World Heavyweight title, which is coming out, which is happening this Saturday, the same day that Super Junior Tag League starts this Saturday at Bound for Glory. So interesting, and then also they they hyped up like, oh, you know, we've got two guys who are going to fight each other in a week or so's time. So how's that going to come into? It? And then they do have that moment where, oh no. The two guys who are going to fight, who are now teaming, bumped into each other. What does this mean? What could ever happen here? Have we ever seen this before? No, it's totally new. 
I did like that they had the Impact team kind of dominate for a little bit, but then after that, it was the more experienced trio that kind of took over their third successful defence for the, uh, the Okada-led team. But uh, what I thought was the most unique thing about this, you know, after the high fly flow, Tanahashi pinned Shelley, getting his kind of win back from Multiverse United, which uh, teases that maybe Shelley will retain the title at Bound for Glory and maybe set up one more match with Tanahashi. Not the worst idea in the world. Definitely would not complain at that. Oh, fuck it. Keep the belt on Shelley through at the end of the year. Let him come into the Tokyo Dome and defend it because I saw a lot of people going into last year risking complain that Tanahashi wasn't in a in a singles match at Wrestle Kingdom, you know, the biggest show of the year. So make up for that by giving him this shot. No, I would be totally behind that. And, you know, um, or if they want to come to Glasgow and do it when we go to Impact, totally behind that. Oh, yeah. So week on Thursday, we're going to be there for the Impact UK Invasion Tour. It kicks off on the 26th uh, in Glasgow. We're going to be there. Ross is going to be there. I think a couple of people from ESR might be there. So I'm very much looking forward to it and get to see what happens there. Mainly, mainly to join in Joe's entrance, which I like saying his name and clapping along. But God, if I could, only if I could have been in there in person for the Joe entrance, it would have been it 10 times better. That's it, but at least we will be there in person. Gary is meant to be going as well. David Campbell's a shite bag and didn't go. You'd have thought, hey, doesn't show up to things, doesn't show up here. You've got your invite, David. Why aren't you here? We keep calling. You don't answer. Dear David, I wrote to you, but you still ain't calling. (laughs) But... But then we had uh, some more G.O.D. success as Tamatonga finally took back the never-open-weight belt from David Finley, despite David Finley trying to attack him uh, in the opening match, like sneaking up behind him and attacking him with the belt. Tamatonga managed to get revenge for what happened back at uh, Wrestling Don Turkey and win his third uh, never-open-weight uh, heavyweight championship uh, with what is usually known as a J-drill, which I think apparently they said he's calling the DSD. Uh, I was, again, surprised here. I mean, under Finley, you know, the War Dogs have been quite dominant in the first few months of their time, but with the exception of the Maloney-Connors win, I think it's a case of, like, okay, G.O.D. are finally getting some momentum, and this is them kind of finally getting back at the at the War Dogs. Yeah, this... Like, it feels like the War Dogs have cooled off massively very fast. Um, where do they go from here? I do not know, because... Honestly, I don't see the point in Finlay going back in the never the never title race. Mm. It's been back and forth for too long. But he needs to do something to get relevant again. Anyway, he does say he wants uh, another shot at Tammy. He said he told Tammy in his Batsy Collins when he was freaking out, trying to go for, you know, he's trying to take Zach Stewart Jr.'s spot for the backstage freakouts, where he's trying to say, like, oh, I'll give you one more shot, you know. You name the time, you name the place. So I assume maybe they'll maybe they'll wait, wait till WrestleMania to do one more match, but yeah, maybe you should move up maybe towards the UK title or towards heavyweight contention uh, if they really want to take him seriously, like the leader of the Bullet Club. Because there was a six-man tag at Royal Quest, not to jump too far ahead, but it was like uh, Finlay, Coughlin, and Kid against Tangaloa, ELP, and Tamatonga. And not only did David Finlay take the pin, he was pinned by Tangaloa, the the worst option of the three to to pin you. That's it. Like, like no one gets pinned by Tangola. 
Not even Tangoa gets pinned by Tangoa. I know. You, 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 you reserve getting pinned by Tangoa for lower level people, you know, like Chase Owens. God, that name. Goddamn Chase Owens. <laughs> but let's move on to something more pleasant than Chase Owens. Because uh, we were worried about the show going into because we had heard there was talk of you know, a flu going around the New Japan locker room taking a little bunch of people out, but most of them managed to actually make it to the show. With the exception of Leo Rush, who didn't manage to make it, but his tidying partner, or his former tidying partner, Yo, uh, took his place after pinning Hiromu in a multi-man tag match on one of the Road 2 shows. So it's now a triple threat of Hiromu, Yo, and Mike Bailey, who's also got a big match coming up in against Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay did a really nice video where he was Iron, he's ironing his clothes while with that match on in the background. He's made Jacob, he's like, oh, I'm just watching Mike Bailey fail to win the belt that I won three times. You <laughs> absolutely rub it in. I know, so Will Osprey Bangers in the month of October is not done yet. He's still got that match with Mike Bailey, which we were robbed of at Multiverse United back at WrestleMania weekend, but I'll be very much looking forward to seeing that match at Bound for Gordy. Uh, and I think because maybe because Mike Bailey's got that match coming, or maybe because they want to save the one-on-one match they were supposed to get between him and Hiromu to a later date, uh, it was Joe that took the pin, but really fast-paced, 17 minutes, 53 seconds here, with the time bomb two that he took, so despite you being the last-minute addition and taking the pin, he gave you, you a few moments where it looked like he might get the upset one. Yeah, that was... It was a well well made match for the fact that that was a last minute change to things. Um, Yo kind of obviously came back from all that time off uh, the split with show and everything, and it's probably the closest it looks like he's kind of found to finding his way back in a long time. So he looked good despite losing. He did he did come out of it looking better than he did before coming in. Yeah, I mean, it might be a long time since he won any gold, really, Yo, but. When you actually look at it, I know it shows the you know KPW champion, but really I think for the fact that he's not really he's changed his style slightly, but for the better as you know, compared to the way shows fucking completely altered his style. And he's in these absolute bangers. He won the Super Junior Tag League. I think a lot of people would have pegged Show to win kind of win the tag team breakup, if you will. But Yo's looking more like the winner in my eyes. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. Plus we, we got we got a hint of an angry you know, Mike Bailey, the, the veil of niceness slipped briefly because he was angry because he lost but didn't get pinned, so keeping that door open later on. But the door to, well, weird segue, the door to evil potentially becoming IWGP heavyweight champion th- thankfully swung very harshly back in his face as he failed to capture the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. And a match that I'm shocked when I look at here apparently took 28 minutes what? Did yeah. it? I mean, I'm sure there were points where it felt like eternity, but I didn't think it actually lasted that long. Oh my God. That is... That's horrific. I know. And, of course, how's the doctor going to do what they do? But I did feel like for a moment that this five guys had turned around before the shenanigans started again. Because there was a moment where Sonata pretty much takes it all of how's the doctor on his own before Evil tries to run away with the belt up the, up through the crowd and all of just five guys go and chase him and drag him back. That's, I mean, 
I mean, there's a reason it got such a such the uh, high star rating that it did, of course. Oh yeah, uh, those who didn't see it, Dave Meltzer rated it one point five stars, which for the world title, the top prize in New Japan Pro Wrestling, which used to be Dave's favorite promotion of all time, and people say, "Oh, well, it was in the Tokyo Dome, it's in Japan, you get six stars." Well, not if you put evil in it, it doesn't, because it was a weird match. You know, you got. You had that moment where the house dojo held stand up on his head and then so Dick Tok could punch him in the balls. But eventually, you know, everyone just five guys got their, their moment. Yu Yu looked really good helping to fend off the house of torture. And eventually, with the dead fall, Donata made what is apparently his fourth successful defense with the belt. He said he didn't go after evil and take the belt back when he stole it because he wasn't like, I let my belt get stolen from me. I got to earn it to get it back. Good guy, Sonata. Mm hmm. Yes. And I'll be honest with you. Chris Charlton's getting right on my fucking tits at the minute. Because, <laughs> Mike, I mean, there are some scenarios I'll admit that they booked an ad in which don't always make him look like the guy here and he's for his first title raid. Like, God, he can't fucking win when it comes to Chris Charlton, can he? No, doesn't matter what he does. He, what? Smoking a pancake? Sugar in the waffle? Bong in the bleach? No? Then there is no pleasing you. Because, <laughs> oh, who is he actually beating? Like, well, he's beating who they fucking put him in the ring with the people who challenged him. He got in the ring with. So it'd be weird if he didn't accept the challenges that he took. You know, he he beat he went undefeated in his block. He lost to Evil Kazushanians, but now he's avenged that loss. Went, oh, so fucking Christian was calling this match the referendum on Sonata as champion. Like he won, but not by a landslide or anything. And then there was all the talk about, oh, but do people actually want Naito? When, like, I'm sure Naito has these fans. It's very popular, but a lot of people have been waiting for Sonata to get his shot. So, yeah, it'll be very divisive. But I don't think the Naito cheers are, a, are an insult to Sonata's champion. It's the fact that we have two very popular guys going into the main event at the Tokyo Dome. That, that's it. And even it's like, like saying, like, who who's he beating stuff like that? Well, who did he fucking beat to get the belt, Chris? Who? Okada. That's who. And on the way there, in the New Japan Cup, who did he beat? Naito in the quarterfinals. So, just simmer down, Chris, you wee gobshite. No, it's not his fault that Tony Khan was so lazy he put fucking Jack Perry, who hasn't been seen since Wembley, wonder why, uh, and, and against him against, rather than some actual opponent. And now he's even got fucking Will Ospreay slagging him off, because he's like, aren't you, if you're a world champion, aren't you supposed to defend it around the world? Because it looks like Sonata's pretty much done now. He's just he's just going to be in tag matches going forward. Well, you know, the only way to fix that, Gedo, book us another little, little title match in somewhere. I know. Maybe he'll let him go around and defend the belt. Maybe let him defend the belt when he goes to emergence and not have him come out like, oh, I'm the champion. Where's your belt? Oh, a guy called Evil nicked it. Absolute shocking. And I am... Um, Deeply concerned about this upcoming feud with Naito heading into the Tokyo Dome. I don't. I fear for for your boy. I'm worried as well. And the many people I know, it's like uh, I think Sarah's man Dan is talking about going to the do- the dome to support his support his boy. And I went, if it's no Sonada, don't come back. <laughs> well, I never thought I'd say this statement, but I agree with Gideon Gray because it was Gideon Gray and. Chris Charlton doing the commentary for Royal Quest, which turned out better than I thought it might. And 
you know, Booster Allen was making the same points about Sonata as champion and that people maybe wanted to hear the roll call at the end of the Tokyo Dome rather than hearing Sonata speak at the end of the Dome. And he made the point, like, Chris, what does he want more does he have to do to show you that he is the guy, he is the, the top guy in New Japan? And I agree with him because he went undefeated in his block. He had all these young guys stepping up to him and he beat them all. Uh, he, they hit him across to fight who they think is a pillar of AEW even though he's probably not worthy of that title he beat him he beat the junior, the best junior heavyweight uh, they've got right now he beat one of the guys who they're clearly going to build the future around with you know, Suji, and he beat his former tag team partner now we can go on to fight his former stable mate what more can he do Chris Charlton does he have to fight God himself do we have to find a way to resurrect fucking half the dead legends and have them fight them too. Mm. Like aspects of this feud between him and Naito, you know, to look forward to. There was the whole thing of the, their history in LAG, the fact they were briefly tag team champions, if you remember back in 2021, and like when Sonata first debuted in New Japan as part of LIG, what did he do? He helped, he helped, he helped Naito win the title. And also, the thing that Kevin Kelly, I think, brought up, or maybe him or Charlton, but when they brought, like, you know, Keiji Muto was ringside during the, the match with Evil. Keiji Muto was a, a hero, an idol, a guy who Sanada studied under. But who retired Keiji Muto in the Tokyo Dome? It was Tetsu and Aito. That's it. The stakes are there. Everything, the, the, every, all the little breadcrumbs are there for the story. So, you know, over with it. Both men looking to finish their story. Sonata looking to finally cement himself in the Tokyo Dome as the guy and hopefully shut some people up. And Naito looking for one last chance to do his big LIG roll call in the main event of the Dome. Roll on the Dome. Roll on the Dome, indeed. I, briefly, I, briefly, I got very mad at Naito because I'm very much rooting for Sonata at this point. I mean, you know, fucking the quote Jay for the in-betweeners, there was the one point where I looked at Sonata after... Naito was avoiding him and sending him to the outside and everything. I'm like, he's made you look a rat knob. And then post match he sees him like shaking his hand and fucking Bushy spits mist in his face. Of course. The mist. And that moment, like, no, fuck you, Naito. Fuck LIG. Sit for a shingle. And Suji. Those two are cool. The rest of you can go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Even Titan. Especially Titan. But mostly Bushy. But mostly bushy. <laughs> oh. we'll, we'll take a little trip over to Seattle because I hear it's nice this time of year. <laughs> because we had a show called Wrestle Dream, which had some New Japan affiliation with it because it was in honor of the one year anniversary of sad passing of Antonio Inoki. I didn't watch the ceremony where they had Shibata, Rocky Romero, Tony Cannon, the grandsons of Antonio Inoki there. Obviously, people know about it because of that gif that's going out there, which showed. Christian Cage watching the, the proceedings backstage. What I didn't know is apparently there's a very awkward moment where there's a big, nice frame picture of Antonio Inoki, which Toy Khan accidentally knocked over. <laughs> oh, no, there, there you go, Chris Charlton. We'll have Sonata fight Antonio Inoki. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll resurrect him and bring him back. So, see if that would make you happy. Now, when I, look, when I looked back on this, I'm like, it was a good show overall. But in terms of new Japan coverage, this wasn't exactly your forbidden door, so there wasn't as much involvement as you'd think there would be. But there was some really fucking weird matches. I just want to briefly acknowledge from the, the buy-in. 
because three out of the four, yes, four kickoff matches had New Japan guys in it, where you had the odd team of Lee Moriarty, Shane Taylor, Diamante, Mercedes Mar- Martinez, losing to the team of Athena, Oli Stark, Keith Lee, and Satoshi Kojima. And Kojima, of course, got the win with his lariat. Then we had Claudio Castagnoli fighting Josh Barnett, who has the connection to Antonio Inoki, who's a bit of a tribute there. And a fun match, which was mostly quite distracting because you remember they listened to John John Moxley getting fined because he said, you know, get him, get that bitch. <laughs> or shit like that, wherever he was doing on Toronto. And then we had bad to you, Mikey Nichols and Shane Hayes losing an attempt to get the six-man titles from Billy Gunn and the acclaimed. Of course, they were never going to win that. It's daddy ass and the acclaimed. Yeah, fucking Team DK apparently can't win anything unless there's actually Virginia. But, you know, one of the, bit, one of the more proper, you know, one of the proper matches on the show and the main card that had some New Japan influence and they talked about how much Inoki would love it even though the guy defending his belts is more an old Japan guy. We had Eddie Kingston defend his Ring of Honor world and his strong openweight belts against Katsuri Shibata who was the pure champion going into this and they kept saying well, Shabbat wants to win these two belts from Kingston. He wants to make our modern, you know, triple crown of wrestling. But unfortunately, you can't get to do that. But it's only 11 minutes long. But Jesus, those boys beat the shit out of each other. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was... It seems to be a defining trait of Kingston's strong title reign so far is that any fight with him is going to feel like an actual fight. And there mm-hmm. is going to be some solid battering. A wee bit of the slappy meat-on-meat action. Absolutely, and I'm, I'm glad he's, he's got these two belts because he's got a defence coming up in, in Las Vegas for fight experiments for the strong belt and then obviously you'd think as Ring of Honor champion he'll have a big showcase at final battle in December which apparently is meant to be they want to do it at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York which would be a big thing for him being from New York so good for Eddie Kingston. Uh, it's nothing to do with New Japan but I just want to acknowledge it. For me the best match on the show by far was Swerve Strickland versus Hangman Page I don't know how much the crowd was into Swerve and everything, but well, a match good on Swerve for winning that one. But, of course, the match that everyone thought was going to be the main event before they decided to uh, the, you know, debut of the brand new toy, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Brian Danielson, a 22-minute match, which was absolutely beautiful techers, which leaves the door firmly open for a rematch because Brian won, but not with a technical movie. He pinned me, he hit me with a running knee like a dickhead. Knocked him out. Absolutely. He called it a coward's move. Mm. Even Danielson's had a promo saying that he's frustrated by it. So please, 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 please give us it in the dome. Mm. I'd love that. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they didn't put the, the TV belt on the line because Zach's not going to win. And I think in the rematch, if Zach does win, don't put the TV belt on the line because this match deserves a lot more than 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Honestly, like Daniel, what is it like? Fucking Meltzer gave it something like what, five and a half stars. Mm-hmm. Very much deserved. Oh yes, like, even your brother, who isn't exactly the biggest AEW fan or anything like that, was giving it a big round of applause. Oh, I mean, how can you not? You have to be fucking blind to not see this as an absolute masterclass. I mean, this—it's amazing that Brian. I'm not saying that Brian also didn't have matches that could be considered five stars when he was in WWE, and even before he went to WWE. It's amazing that he's only started getting five stars and up from Meltzer when he started going to AEW. It's just amazing the run he's been on because I'm pretty sure his MJF match got five stars and he either one or both of the the two draws that he didn't got about that rating as well. So he's on a run of form right now, especially when he's only got a little bit of time left. Hopefully they can fit in 
a rematch between these two at some point. And like you said, the Dome would be the ideal place for me. Yeah, I mean, you summed it up perfectly. I mean, you'd have to be blind to miss it. Uh, you know, blind like those Muppets that do Saturday Draft Live and can't count scores, right? Mm. <laughs> but, but also, I, sh- I should mention, because I mentioned Collision once or twice, so that's where Junior was on commentary for Collision alongside Nigel, where they both basically took turns slagging off Brian Danielson while he was at eight-man tag. And the best one for me was that's the original going, ring, 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 ring. Can you hear that, Nigel? I can hear it. What's that? That's bloody Brian Danielson phoning it in, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a British insult the way you done it, too. Uh, we had also Kinoski the case of Will Osprey and Sammy Guevara taking on Chris Jericho, uh, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi. I like that Osprey after his match uh, with Suji acknowledged this match and alongside Sammy Guevara mentioned like, oh, Sammy, I know we're meant to be family now, but I haven't forgotten. You hit me in the face with the bat last time I saw you. <laughs> so, you that continuity going. I even put in my notes, what's happened to Ibushi? Such a weird, weird situation there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still seeing a, a running theme with this, these Don Callis matches because I happened it for uh, All In as well. And it was the only match I thought, it was only really the only match I wasn't that much of a fan with when I went to see it live. Like these Don Callis family versus Kenny Omega and friends, six man tags that go far longer than they bloody need to. 22 and a half minutes when you're 12 matches into a 14 match card when you include the pre show. Like, come on, to fuck lads. I mean, Jericho does it all the fucking time. He's always higher in the car than he needs to and has to go around about 20 minutes like nobody wants to see you especially if you're watching it live in the bath in the UK <laughs> it's like make it stop make it stop uh-huh. and then we had Aussie Open being robbed I tell you robbed of their IW of their, of their AEW world team titles that they were rightfully deserved mind you I can't deny that off the top but the charter machine was a thing of beauty Oh, yes, that was unreal. <laughs> and, it, and it makes it doubly confusing, by the way, that the Aussie Open didn't win here. I mean, Mark Davis has suddenly disappeared, and Kyle Fletcher has been having some bangers with, like, like say, Kenny Omega. I think he's got a match coming up with, and he's he had a match with the Brian Daniels, where he nearly killed himself on a die. So I don't know if Davis has injured himself against me. That's why they didn't do it. But Snap, Snapped his wrist. Oh, jeez. So that makes sense there. But then, confusingly, me and Ross, the next weekend... We, we had an hour, and the pre-show was about to start for Fastlane, but we said instead of watching Bloody Booker T and Pete Rosenberg, or whatever his name is, talk shit, Ross had a link to watch Collision, so we started to watch, watch the start of Collision. And we watched that there, while Ross's draft tag team of FTR got squashed by Big Bill and Ricky Starks. <laughs> oh, I remember waking up next day and just seeing the look at the, the, the chat and be like, oh yeah, that's going to sting. <laughs> I remember sitting there and I was absolutely pissing myself laughing. <laughs> he was fucking raging, honestly. I think, I think he was this close to going to his bloody bed. Oh, it probably would have been the best thing he could have done, really, if he just gave up at that point. Just went, no, bedtime it is. They can't get any better or worse. Uh, you know, getting worse, I mean. It did get worse. I had to watch John Cena and that boring arse tag match. I think Ross fell asleep watching that and I didn't bother waking him up. <laughs> no, no. Let granddad sleep. This isn't what we want to wake him up for. Uh, then we got to give special mention to Royal Quest 3. We can't go through all the matches. I just put a little opening bit here. 
that the fact we had some decent like air promotion like UK talent versus the New Japan talent like the first three opening matches because you had uh, the returning Taiji Ishimori I should have mentioned earlier Ishimori returned after the triple threat match to beat up Hiromu and get his title back after that injury he got in a match with Hiromu back at the Super Juniors so he made his proper in-ring return beating Robbie X in the opener then you had El Esperado versus Trent Seven in the second match and you had Yotsuji versus Luke Jacobs in the third match so it was fun like Here's a, here's a top talent in the UK, or at least an up-and-coming talent in the UK, plus Trent Seven. Uh, and here's a t- great talent from Japan. Let's see what happens when we put them in the ring together. Maldo well, just went for a second there, sorry. That was... Yeah, but like putting them in a match together. Yes. Yeah, give us that. Yeah, I really enjoyed seeing, uh, basically giving it, like, getting gears on Carter when Suji was there, like, no, I'm very proud of how far he's come. I had rec- I recruited him in the Legion when he was here and his excursion goes, only thing I'm disappointed is to why did he have to go and make the decision to join LIJ? Now, I question that particular life decision. He was not happy and he's not letting it, let, let him live it down. <laughs> no, he, he was not letting him live it down. Uh, we had a rare, I didn't expect to see this, we had a War Dogs tag title defense, the junior tag titles against uh, Cameron Kai, who's 17 years old. And Leon Slayer, I've heard a lot of it, and I was offended. He's only 18 years old. So, a couple of young guys, I'm kind of glad they got battered. But, you know, I heard Leon Slayer doing a lot of stuff in Red Pro and in North Wrestling, and apparently he's going to be at the Newcastle show for Impact Wrestling defending his North title. So, good for him. Yeah, he's he's going to be one that I, could, I would honestly would not be surprised if you give it a couple of, a year or so, and he'll probably start appearing in the likes of New Japan or Noah or something. He will get snapped up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cameron Kai is my first exposure to him. For me, he looks like a slightly more muscular Carmelo Hayes. He gave me that kind of eyes, and they both put in a hell of an effort. They call themselves the youngest in charts and everything. Uh, of course, they weren't going to defeat the War Dogs, but it was a fun de- uh, defense. They were basically saying that it's kind of they've got unfinished business to Slater and Maloney, so Maloney kind of taking care of some business while getting another another notch in their their run of defenses. Ooh. Big things. <laughs> uh, of course, it seems like a weird match just to throw together on, as the semi-main event because we see them go multiple times against each other. We had Shingo and Ishii slapping all sorts of meat in the semi-main, but the fans were all about it. I do love the fact they didn't just shout one fall. When they have a time, the guy who announced the timer, they go, time limit. <laughs> it gives us something new and different to go with. Of course. But, I mean, what else can you say with a single Ishii match other than just go fucking watch it? I mean, Shingo did come out on top, but it's hard to really describe how great this match was uh, unless you see it for yourself. Uh, uh, just never, never, ever sleep on. You give me, give it a Shingo Ishii or like a Shingo Kingston or an Ishii Kingston, you're going to get yourself a big, hot, hard, meaty slammer of a match and you will not be disappointed. Mm-hmm. But of course, I mean, we were slightly perturbed by going into this because it felt like the recent Royal Quests have really built their shows around one or two big matches, and it felt like the match that this was built around the right for me event. Zack Sabre Jr. challenging Will Ospreay for his IWGP UK Heavyweight Championship. And, I mean, it's the, right for, the rest of the show was very enjoyable from an in-ring standpoint, even if only one or two matches really advanced anything. Because you had Tama challenging Shingo to another match because they had that draw at the G1. So those two are going to fight at some point for the never title. But, of course, 
the whole show was a bit of a ruinous. If everything else was shit, but this match was still the same as it was, this would still be a show worth watching. Oh, yeah. That's it. Osprey and Sabre. When are you ever going to get a bad match there? The answer? Never. I know. We talked about the consistency of Sabre for the last month and also the consistency of Perfect all year of Will Osprey. So, you know, there's going to get some sort of magic here. I haven't seen the star ratings, but I imagine they'll be very, very high for these two. And the fact that there's like, so many moments like Osprey trying to go back, fight with Zach strike wise and technically, and you know, Sabre trying to ground Osprey, take out his arm. But then there was moments where Zach went to the top and did some sort of flipping into the arm bar from the top rope. The speed of which he went from the apron into the ring and up to the top to grab Osprey. I'm like, I had to rewind it because my eyes couldn't process it the first time he moved that fast. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely nuts. Yeah, 30 minutes plus, I think it went, and it did not feel like it dried at any point. Yeah, the UE and Osprey's corner, but finally, after multiple hidden blades, and a Stormbreaker. They even have to resort to the Storm Driver. Had the Stormbreaker, Osprey Prince Zach, and it's the ultimate shine of respect from Zach. He gave him a kiss on the forehead. That's it. A wee, a wee peck. A wee loving peck. <laughs> yeah. And then Osprey picked up a sign that someone brought in the crowd, which says, attendance, 81,000. <laughs> and he just laughed like, hey, they're the ones who fucking announced it. And then he called the guy who brought it a cunt. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> yeah. And he thanked Zach. He said to you, like he does he, he slid him for liking tofu, like he's always going on about tofu, like vegan this, save the planet that, fuck the Tories. <laughs> oh yeah, I agree with that one. And people started chanting fuck the Tories. And then he called Rio Khan a sexy beast, which you know, no lies detected there. And he said, Is there any sexy Japanese bitches that want to challenge me for this belt? Because, you know, if you're a champion, you're supposed to be going around the world defending it, especially if you're a world champion. But then out came Shota Umino, which Osprey wasn't pleased by, because, you know, he's beaten him three times, as he mentioned. And Osprey keeps talking, and once, once Shota's microphone actually works, Shota comes out with, shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. <laughs> Cue South Park references. Yeah, I did not think there would be a South Park reference in at the end of a New Japan show, especially not one in the UK. And then Osprey said, like he was almost going to break into his song, sing it, going, where did you learn shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker? He just went, from John Moxley. Gosh, who else would teach him this language other than heavily fined AEW commentator John Moxley? Just from repeating that segment and the, the C words and the F words that Osprey repeated there, and I think we've already swore already in this show, apparently getting the explicit banner on your podcast doesn't actually take that many Fs, let alone it dropping the cunt word uh, in the middle of the podcast. So I think already this is a podcast that should take, apparently if we want to be accurate describing this podcast, we need to give an explicit banner, which I think is a first feet sleep suplex retreat. <laughs> oh yeah. And of course it's going to happen here, the one that barely anyone else in the podcast pays attention to, but fuck it. We've already <laughs> said it. So obviously, Shota wants to have the match with him. He said, bring both the IWGP UK and heavy and US championships. He wants to see both of them. And Osprey only agreed to it if Creo Khan could get the match he wanted, which was against John Moxley. And it's official. It's fucking official. Oh yes, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I did not expect it to happen, but 
well, it's going to happen. And and not just that, I mean, also we did a big send-off and everything, he goes backstage and do his backstage comments. He set up the things with Shota and everything. What happens? He gets attacked and fucking choked out by Gabriel Kidd. Of course. Of course it's going to be Gabriel Kidd. I don't know, that, that, that seems random. But really, if you want to do this, flip this around, like, do Gabriel Kidd first, then fight Shota, because if anything, I think Shota might be a, a candidate to actually take the belt off Osprey if he's going to leave soon, because like, everyone's seemingly predicting that Osprey's uh, his days are numbered with New Japan, even though he's teasing the stuff with Mitsunada, which makes me think that like, once he loses the IWGP UK belt, he should go after the world belt after the Tokyo Dome, maybe, for one last run. But everyone else seems to be predicting that he's leaving, so I would actually send the Shota match for the Tokyo Dome, because putting over one of the Musketeers on his way, it might be a good send-off for Osprey. Yeah, I agree. I think that would make total sense in every every way. It would be absolutely fantastic. But uh, let's get ahead to a couple of the big cards that are coming up and a little tournament that's coming. We've already been here for over an hour, maybe close to an hour and ten minutes here, so let's let's run through some of these matches and get the hell out of here, but We've got Fighting Spirit Unleashed at Samstown Casino in Las Vegas. And initially, I was a bit hesitant saying, oh, this looks like a better card than Bloody Royal Quest because there were seemingly more title matches and more implications on this card. And may not be, may not end up being a better card, but on paper, it looks solid. So, what we got confirmed is we got Yuyu Yuamura and Sonata against Hiromu and Naito. We got in our first defense the IWGP, uh, or the, IWG, the NGPW Strong tag team titles. Hickley and EOP will defend against Monster Sauce, Alex Zane and Lance Archer. Which I don't know if you saw it, Grant, but in his back, their backstage comments after winning, they were sent some mild, which EOP didn't like, uh, Taco Bell sauce, and some zero sugar Monster Energies, which EOP was also unhappy about, which was meant to symbolise Monster Sauce. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice cryptic, cryptic uh, promotional material by New Japan. Fantastic. We have a uh, four-way match to determine the number contender for the strong openweight championship. We have Satoshi Kojima versus Fred Rosser versus Alex Coughlin versus Jeff Cobb. We have Gabriel Kidd versus Tom Waller, which should be fun. Uh, Julia, in her fifth defense of the strong women's championship, takes on Hayan. Uh, we have we have what I originally thought was going to be the main event, but before another match got announced, uh, Eddie Kingston versus Hanare for the strong openweight championship. We have a tidy match of you know, the, there is a, I think there's going to be some uh, there's also going to be some uh, CMLL wrestlers uh, wrestling on the card but if I'm not mistaken the never open weight title match between uh, I believe the never open weight title match between Chingo and Tama has actually been announced to take place in Samstown so I have actually a feeling that that might be an event over the Kingston match because well I think in terms of in Japan those two are the two bigger stars yeah I think I think you could be on, in with a shout there because they have added that match to the card you are correct um, so it would on paper it would be the one that makes most sense mm-hmm. yeah it's a very interesting card finally getting to see but a uh, Kingston versus Hanari yeah, see them by each other it's actually the fourth defensive Kingston's strong open weight belt is to see Julia really, uh, well she's defended the belt before but I haven't actually seen a lot of her defences I haven't been able to watch them so nice to get to see her again but 
outside of all the title matches or ones with title implications, which should be fun, seeing Gabriel Kidd fight Tom Lawler is going to be very violent, but I am sure I'm going to enjoy that one. Yeah, that's that's a match that I think is going to it's going to exceed expectations. Hmm. Uh, and then looking at Power Struggle on the 4th of November in Osaka, also we're going to have the finals of the Super Junior Tag League, the winners of that tournament, if it's not the champion, getting to fight the champions at the Tokyo Dome for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles, or in that tournament in a minute. But anyway, we'll have the finals of that at the show. We're also going to have, I assume, will be the main event of Show Terminal Challenging Will Osprey and his third defence. We have Giro Canvey, John Moxley, which has been confirmed. The random match of Tangle David Finlay, being announced, which I think poor Ta- Tanga is going to get battered so that David Finley could send a message to his brother. Uh, Yuya and Sonata versus Yotsuji and Tetsuya Naito. TMDK have been put up in another title match where we've got Sack, Mickey Nichols and Shane Haste taking on Okada, Tanahashi and Ishii for the six-man titles. And a match that, oh, if, it, if it's not the Osprey one, then maybe this will be the main event. Taiji Shimori will get his title. Taiji Shimori will get his rematch for the title that he wasn't pinned to lose uh, against Hiromu Takahashi for the junior heavyweight title. Honestly, I initially thought, Time, well, they won't do him that much on Power Struggle because they're really just building to the dome I get to these next two tournaments. I was very wrong about Power Struggle, clearly. We made a mistake. We were wrong. I was so wrong. Uh, but before we get to the uh, before we get to the tournament, oh, I'm assuming that the match you're really ch- looking in, I assume the match you're most looking forward to is clearly the Great Okan versus John Moxley. Oh, without a doubt. That is actually going to be exciting. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I do love that they like bringing John Moxley every so often just to create a bit of buzz. Like, oh, John Moxley's back in Japan. Like, they've even got a show in December in Texas called Lone Star Show, which they confirmed that Moxley's going to be at. And the other big thing they're advertising for that Lone Star show is that Mayu Iwatani will be there defending her IWGP women's title. It, it could work. <laughs> he says with great confidence. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Now, we get to the Super Junior Tag League. We have 10 teams confirmed. It seems going to be just a one-block format with 10 teams, everyone facing each other just once. Of course, in the tournament, we've got the tag team champions, Drella Maloney and Clark Connors. We have the Ichiban Street Boys, which they're being billed as, of Robbie Eagles and Kosi Fujita. They're back from uh, from Australia. Catch 2 2, team together, obviously. Bushi and Titan. They brought Titan back out of the cupboard for a tournament. The unique team, the original odd couple of Desperado and Master Watto. Uh, Kanamaru teaming with Sho. It'll be nice to see a show team with someone that isn't Dick Togo in a junior environment. D- DKC teaming with Ruski Taguchi. The international jet, intergalactic jet setters, Kushida and Kevin Knight. The team that my heart is really rooting for. Uh, Takevich and Oku and Doki. Representing just five guys. Go on, boys. And then they were advertising X teaming with uh, Yo. So Yo had a mystery partner. And then apparently the show went to went to Michinoku Pro, which people forgot was even still around. Masai, uh, I believe is, I hope I'm pronouncing it properly, uh, will be his tag team partner for this tournament. A weird decision, but fair enough. Uh, like, it's, like you, I was surprised that Michinoku Pro was still going. Hell, half the time when anyone mentions something happened to All Japan, I'm like, 
Why are we talking about old Japan? What is this, the 90s? We've taken a step back in time. <laughs> but uh, other than the, maybe some of the top teams that you would expect, like your Cat 2-2s and your LIG, it's a very unique lineup there. It definitely is. It's, it's a lot of unpredictable factors in amongst this this field. Um, and with it being the just the round robin one one shot each, anything can happen with this. Absolutely. Uh, I think maybe the case of they don't have as many junior teams as the heavyweight teams, but uh, I, was, I was hopeful that given that World Tiger won't be competing with any, any other tournaments this year, that they were going to do a two-block format for that, and I hope that World Tag League doesn't do the one-block format like they're doing. But I can understand it for Super Junior Tag League because they've only got the whole of the the tour up to Power Struggle from the 21st of October or right up until just before November 4th. So you don't have it. I don't think that would be enough time to do two full blocks. No, no, it's it's very very tight for time, but we shall see what they what weird stuff they pull off. Absolutely. Uh, also, I think the champions, as I said before, will have a very dominant performance uh, through the tournament. But I said to you that I think my head says Catch Two Two when they set up their rematch at the Tokyo and get the revenge against Maloney for betraying them. But my heart will also will always root for Doki and Taka. That's it. Doki and Taka and my heart. Desperado and Battles, the other team that I'm kind of backing as well because I love that odd, odd ball pairing. I mean, I'm sure someone else has done it before, but that would put Wajo in a very unique club if he did win it, which means he would have won the best Super Juniors and Super Junior Tag League in the same year, which I'm sure someone else has done before, but it's probably been a long time since that's happened. Yeah, that's trying to, yeah, that's that's one to do some Chris Charlton level digging into to find out. Yeah, well, get him on, get him on the blower, get him on, Chris, pull your finger out, come on. So. You got that. Also, you got the unpredictability of you and his partner. Get to see Kosti Fuji, see if he's developed while he's been away in Australia. Get to show off, show off some more of his tickers in this tournament. Tickers, tickers, tickers. And that's what we've got to look forward to. Obviously, next time we, we come to you, we're probably going to be somewhere in mid November. Try and get this to you before uh, World Tag League. I don't know when exactly they're going to. Start World Tiger West, see if they've got that announced somewhere on their website. But uh, maybe it won't be as much as we've just talked about there. But we have, no, actually, sorry, I tell a lie about that. No, it's on the 10th of November, not December. But yeah, Moxley and Mayuitani will both be on that card. But uh, it won't be as much as we've been talking about here. But you know, well, the next time we come to you, we'll be talking about the Junior Tag Tournament, uh, Power Struggle, and Ice Bear, at least. I'm sure they'll cram a lot in there, especially with a tournament in there. and We'll see if they made the right decision uh, with the winner. Before I talk about something else that's coming up, uh, do you have any particular matchups? Because even that everyone's going to fight each other, do you have any particular matchups you're looking forward to at that Super Junior Tag League lineup? I think one that I'd say that I'm looking forward to would be Desperado and Wato against the uh, the War Dogs. I think that's going to be a, a particularly hard-hitting affair. And I'm looking forward to seeing Yo and his partner against because I keep forgetting his name already uh, taking on Sho and Kamaru and to see those two mix up again Yo will be like look don't need you you've got your new pal look at my new pal he's from a whole different promotion one that you probably forgot existed wild card bitches 
uh, and also more dogs probably against uh, against catchers who are getting to see those guys mix it up again after what happened in the last time they met. But looking ahead here, obviously, next time we come, also we talk about the tournament, as I said, Power Struggle and Bikes Bar Unleashed, but we'll also hopefully be previewing World Tag League if they've announced the participants and by the time we record. Uh, but since we're going to have plenty of time to get those recordings done because uh, 4th November is Power Struggle, World Tag League doesn't start off until Monday the 20th of November and it will run all the way until the 10th of December. Not too long at all. Too long at all. Uh, so I'm wondering if they will fit a two-block format in there somewhere. And then obviously after that, it'll be a couple of Road 2 shows and then we'll be on our way to the biggest show, the best night of the year, obviously Wrestle Kingdom 18. The big one is upon us. So it's like a kid on Christmas. I'm like, it's so close. I can, I can feel it. Feel it in my bones. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we we are coming up almost an hour twenty five here. Uh, it's been a hell of a show, right? a lot of us to cover, and I think we did our we did our best. To, and we can't give everything equal time, but we we tried. We tried, but we only have so much time. People only have so much time, and New Japan just seemed hell bent and absolutely ramming every second. Absolutely, and. I look forward to talking about the Stuart Junior Tournament. I look forward to looking ahead to World Tag and I especially look forward to talk, all this talk about Wrestle Kingdom and where everything's going to, where things are going to go leading into the big show and some speculation about the big matches that are coming up. What do you guys think? What were your, some of your three matches in the last month in New Japan? What are you looking forward to for the Super Junior Tag? What are you looking forward to about leads up to Wrestle Kingdom? What do you think some of the big matches are going to be? Do let us know at SuperHG, at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the, all the best places you can find us on social media. Get us on all good Android podcasts and sites, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, wherever you get our podcast, maybe we care with a like, reaching all of you on your chosen platform. But until this time, that has been Graham Early. I've been Scott McLeod. I've been talking for too long. I need to lie down. Bye-bye. <laughs>